0: We're back and lazier than ever. It's another Kick-Ass Riffs episode of the Metal Shot Podcast.
1: She used to be an iron horse, Twenty years ago. Used to bring the mail to me, through the ice and snow. I'm standing on a lobster.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Meet Mike Castleberry. And today we are doing sick riffs part two because there's always more riffs to be had.
0: Oh yeah, and it's always it's a it's it's a fun episode. I think the first one was a pretty entertaining one. Um you get less of our commentary and (laughs) more just like, oh, these are some pretty badass riffs. Right. So it's a fun, you know, if people enjoyed that, I'm hoping they'll enjoy this too. And like you said, there's always going to be more riffs. So every once in a while, that just might be an episode we throw in. And here's a handful more kick-ass riffs we really like for you to check out.
2: Right. Now, if you didn't listen to the first one, I'm going to give you just a little quick... Glimpse at what we were talking about. We were talking about riffs like Breaking the Law, Electric Eye, Falling Off the Edge of the World, Man of the Silver Mountain, Burn, Knocking at Your Back Door, Perfect Strangers, Seek and Destroy, Creeping Death, Fight Fire with Fire, and those were the main ones that we were talking about. Raining Blood, South of Heaven, War Ensemble, Number of the Beast, Holy Wars, Ace of Spades, Overkill, Killed by Death, Holy Diver, Crazy Train, Suicide Solution. And then, of course, the IOMI ones like Megalomania, National Acrobat, Computer God, Supernaut, Snowblind, Wheels of Confusion, and Under the Sun. And then some other crap like some Ted Nugent and other shit that we don't even need to get into again. I, I brought up Spirit in the Sky. Yeah, yeah. But so that it's like a two for one because you get to check out all those riffs if you didn't listen to the other one. And plus the ones we're going to get into today. But first, we're going to bring back an old favorite, I think, which was the Metal News. Because we want to keep things kind of a little bit current. And so, um, Metal News it is. What are you hearing about over there? So, the metal news of the past week or so was
0: uh, Jeff Nichols, his estate, so it's like his nephew or something that's running it. Yeah. They were going through his shit, and they dug up a demo from 1979 with Dio and Iomi. It's called Slapback, and uh, apparently Dio's playing bass on it. And so you basically got like a three-piece band at that part. And, you know, this is before Jeff Nichols uh, was filling in for the the bass parts later on um, when they actually started recording for Heaven and Hell. But uh, it's pretty interesting. It doesn't sound at all like Black Sabbath. Um, It's very... At the time, they hadn't settled on this band being a continuation of Black Sabbath because Geezer wasn't in on it uh so with iomi he was of the mindset of well if it ain't if it doesn't have ozzy or geezer maybe it's not really black sabbath maybe this is gonna be a new band Mm -hmm. so they hadn't settled on just saying okay we're black sabbath they kicked around just calling it sabbath you know so you know it's a similar thing but there's different people in it but um yeah it very much it sounds like if you mash together you know, uh, later Aussie era Sabbath and, you know, like elf or rainbow. So it didn't have that, that sound that they quite coalesced with on heaven and hell. But the interesting thing about that is a lot of people are like, Oh, awesome. This is like a demo track. It's like, quote, new music from Ronnie James Dio and mm-hmm. uh, Tony Iommi is uh, not happy about it.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, like for him, it was never finished. It's a surprise that it's coming out, you know, or whatever. But I mean, first of all, how cool would it be to be like going through Jeff Nichols's shit? You know, finding fucking... Tapes and fucking Polaroids and little bags of coke who knows what the fuck you're fucking fighting in there That would be fucking so awesome But yeah, um, I guess I guess this dude, you know, he's just like putting out and you know what? I'm guessing if he finds more he'll put out more and it, As as much as iomi doesn't probably like it. I'm cool with it. The song of uh, slapback the lyrics were not sabbathy at all of course but Dio sounds great on it. Uh, the riff is weird. It's not Iomi like really at all, but it but it was cool and I really dug the solo. So, I mean, you know, there's things I like about it and you know, it was fun listening to it. <laughs>
0: No, it was pretty cool. Now the uh now people are hoping for the holy grail of all holy grails to get dug up somewhere in there, which is the uh the long rumored uh Aussie demo of Children of the Sea where it had different lyrics and a different melody and stuff like that, but
2: Right. I can almost not imagine what that would sound like.
0: Yeah, neither can I, and I imagine it's probably not that great, especially knowing what it turned into. Right, but it's just it'd be a cool thing to hear. It'd be like, oh wow, this is what they were working on when the band completely imploded, and Iommi was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm keeping this riff."
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in other Sabbath news, they came out with a bunch of reissues. The first four albums and then um, Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. And the first four albums ones have some live shit on the bonus features. And they also have a lot of outtakes, you know, changes with slightly different lyrics and, you know, a bunch of songs with slightly different lyrics or just they liked one better than the other. But this was the other alternate recording of it. And you know, it's cool, man. Like, uh I was listening to the Volume 4 one. It's got pretty much a whole side, which is uh live in, in the UK in 73. And it's really just a raw live recording, like a soundboard recording or something. No overdubs, no nothing like that. And it sounds raw as fuck, man. It's pretty cool. There's also on the Mob Rules one. There's not a lot of outtakes on those because um, according to Tony Iommi, they usually got it right and they usually ended up using everything on albums. So there wasn't really a lot of extra songs besides, I guess, slapback. (laughs) So the bonus features on the Mob Rules one is also a live uh, concert, which is awesome because it sounds way better than Live Evil. It's basically the same songs as Live Evil, but it sounds way better. Especially the drums sound a lot better. And just for that in itself, that one's worth it. I'm still digging into a lot of the features on the other ones, but so far, it's really a lot of good trippy shit.
0: Yeah, no, I was checking out um, the Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules ones the other day. I haven't checked out the uh, the Aussie... Uh, ones just yet and that mob rules on it it was cool but i i made a joke to you about that where i said like wait man this is like the geezer butler mix on these live Mm -hmm. shows because the bass is very pronounced like it sounds sick on most of it but then when i was like oh let me listen to children of the grave and the bass just overpowers uh the actual riff on that and i was like "Mm, i don't i don't like this as much as much as i like uh Geezer's bass, right? It's weird when you can't, it's higher in the mix than Iomi.
2: Yeah, it is a little bass heavy, that's for sure. Yeah. of geezer the new pictures have surfaced of geezer throwing up the horns in 71 and and i guess this latest one is 69 so that by far puts him as the first member of sabbath to uh, have documented evidence of throwing up the horns which i mean i guess in you know It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's interesting that he didn't say anything all this time. Dio's talking about he got it from his grandmother, and uh, Gene Simmons is claiming he made it up, and meanwhile, Geezer's just not saying shit. You know, the dudes in Coven could scream all day long about they did it first, but nobody's listening to them because nobody cares about Coven. Uh, so, basically, it's, like, giza has been sitting on this on this uh, horn secret for a long time. Yeah. He's
0: been sitting on that shit for, like, 50 years.
2: <laughs> just, like, for no
0: reason. But, I mean, I guess he just decided he didn't want to get involved in, like, the who did the horns first argument. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, I think he just doesn't give a shit. And with him, he was saying, you know, oh, that's just a thing I would do. I like the breakdown of the song black Sabbath live. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when Dio joined the band, he was like, I need to have my own thing because you know, everybody, Yazzie's was throwing up the peace sign. I can't go up there throwing up peace signs. And then he's like, Oh, why don't you just do this? I, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then apparently, yeah, I didn't know that geezer Butler was Dio's grandma.
2: Right. The funny thing is, Iomi has like the ultimate claim to it. It's like he didn't even do it. That machine did it for him. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Basically. (laughs) All right. In other news, shit, we are kind of coming out of this COVID thing. It seems as if live concerts won't be too far off. But until then, to hold you over, there's going to be some live streamed events coming up. there's a Satriani one. I can't narrow down the date. I don't know why, but I couldn't find it just as I was looking for it earlier. But it's coming up soon. Ynve's doing one March 20th. And he has it under the title of the best of Ingve. And I hope that he does do that. I hope he plays some Alcatraz. I hope he visits you know, revisits the early albums heavily. I don't really want to hear any of that. New shit or whatever. But, you know, definitely I'm interested in that one. Steven Piercy is doing one on April 2nd, which I don't, you know, I'm not sure exactly who's going to run out and buy that one, but okay. (laughs) May 28th and 29th, Nightwish is doing one. And, you know, they're interesting and, you know, they're kind of the what's going on nowadays with with the metal scene and then there's gonna be one called um rockin relief and that's the date's not announced yet but it's gonna be dave grohl's gonna be the one putting it together and he's gonna get a bunch of people and it's gonna be like a like a covid benefit concert so that one's cool and then um the last little internet news that i got was i saw a video today of Steve Vai's new song, and it's called uh, Knapsack. And um, he just had surgery on his right wrist. So basically, he's just playing all this shit in his new song with his left hand. And it's just fucking amazing, man. And it's just like, dude, Steve Vai with one hand is better than most motherfuckers with two hands. And it's just like crazy, man. And And it makes you think like, some of these dudes, you know, like, like him having surgery on his wrist, and, but he's still playing like a motherfucker. I owe me with his fingers. And it's just like, these dudes will go through hell to play. And that's probably why they're so fucking great.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, I watched that, too. That, you know, the video of him playing that It's like, how the fuck?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Like that just wouldn't threw out every like wait so that's like so wait I, I could have been playing guitar all along and I didn't know it. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, man.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, it would have been different. Uh, he's I mean, you can't play the rhythm like that or anything, but right. But um, yeah, all those streams and stuff. I gotta I gotta imagine Stephen Pier- Piercy. He's trying to like get that little. Fifteen extra minutes that he got from that uh, that Geico commercial, right, right. Where uh, apparently that was that like uh, rap kind of like started blowing up on downloads and stuff after that commercial. So he's like, oh shit, I got like a slight window to make a little bit more money because you know people saw me doing round and round on a commercial. Now
2: he's hoping some cholo is gonna ride a skateboard and fucking uh, start singing fucking Wanted Man or some shit. <laughs> yeah, no shit. All right. That guy's
0: the kingmaker.
2: Yeah. So in the so in the course of um of compiling our riffs, you know, we started noticing that some riffs sound like other riffs and it's just I mean, you know, obviously there's only certain amount of, of things you can do on a guitar, but so some things are going to get a little bit repetitive. You try not to, but you know, it's going to happen from time to time. So we compiled a a list of them. Some of them are real close. Some of them are like almost exactly. And some of them just have like the same feel, you know, whatever. You want to go? Yeah, sure.
0: Um, It'd be funny if we just uh, brought out like Stairway to Heaven and whatever that one fucking song was. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't think we're going for outright plagiarism. Yeah, no, not exactly. Um, So I actually mentioned this on our last Riff episode. Um, but, uh, more than a feeling and, uh, since you've been gone are both very similar and around the same time period too. mm mm-hmm. That every once in a while with Blackmore, where you get something and he puts out, and it's like kind of samey, like right. <laughs> um, Catch the Rainbow also has that kind of it kind of sounds like Little Wing, right? Um, so but he's always it's interesting because nobody gives Blackmore shit for that, mm-hmm. and he owns it, it completely,
2: yeah. He does,
0: like when he was talking about like uh, Smoke on the Water, was just like. Beethoven rearranged and shit
2: (laughs) he tells you where he jacked the shit from which is hilarious
0: and people are like what
2: I can't believe it I never noticed yeah that's funny
0: but that riff you know it survived even longer because then you got Nirvana with Smells Like Teen Spirit copied it a little bit
2: right I saw another one with Nirvana which which was a some killing joke song or something that they that they kind of mm-hmm. bit but they slowed it down so it sounded different. But speaking of Blackmore, I do have one where it seems like on Dream Evil uh, Dio just told Craig Goldie, "You know what? Give me some Blackmore right here." And, you know, and Craig Goldie was like, oh, okay, boss. And fucking here comes the rift to Dream Evil because it is real similar to to the uh, Man on the Silver Mountain uh, riff. It's a different key, but the intervals are exactly the same. This is one of those that if it was taken to court, even though it's a different key, the, the intervals are the same. So it would have a chance where they would say, yeah, you, you stole this shit. Oh, totally. But nobody ever said anything, so I guess it's all good. And, you know, considering that that everybody freely says um, Blackmore is an influence or whatever, that might kind of get you off the hook a little bit.
0: Oh, totally. So another one I got there, I mentioned that a little bit on uh, our last episode also, but Seek and Destroy and Sucking My Love by Diamond Head. Very similar riffs there. It makes sense because, you know, it's one of the earliest Metallica songs and they were huge Diamond Head fans to the point that their their original set had maybe one or two original songs. Right. They had to, like, maybe jump at the fire or an, on one other one at the time and the rest of it was basically Diamond Head covers. Right. But since most people didn't know Diamond Head, they just got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I told, talked about that when we did the Metallica episode a million years ago, that was one of those things where since it was a little known band, everybody just thought those were all Metallica songs until some d- random dude came up and was like, hey, uh, you guys ever heard of Diamond Head? And then they hired the guy to be like their guitar
2: tech. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a Metallica. It's not really that blatant or that close, but Fade to Black, the picking part in Fade to Black is real similar to a Pink Floyd song called Goodbye Blue Sky. Now, it's an older Pink Floyd song. It's not very well known, but there are certain parts of it where it's the exact notes and the exact picking. So yeah it would be like um certainly nowhere near the the stairway to heaven one but if you wanted to get real nitpicky about it you could say yeah that that little part right there is exactly the same
1: all right all
2: right
0: wanted to toss in there was also seek and destroy Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so basically the uh the the bridge riff there while they're uh during the solo on seek and destroy it's basically the exact same riff as in uh the solo of saxon's uh princess of the night right so it's another british heavy metal band that they that they were into Mm -hmm. at the time kind of found its way on there so basically seek and destroy is smashing together a couple of you know bands that they liked around that era and made it their
2: own right Two more, one of them is really not the same. It's um, different keys, but it's just the feel that's exactly like the same. And that's uh, Danzig and my demon is the same feel as uh, Dissident Aggressor Judas Priest at the beginning with the mm. with the. Um Like almost exactly, like the feel is exactly the same and the time is exactly the same, but it's different keys and some different notes. So again, it wouldn't be, it's not a ripoff at all, but it just has the same energy and the same, everything to it. Unlike the Scorpions, always somewhere where the intro is exactly the same as Simple Man exactly the same it's like that one definitely i mean i don't know if maybe whoever wrote simple man maybe was already dead when, when uh always somewhere came <laughs> out and so they didn't fucking hear it but yeah that one i mean i guess they could have stumbled upon the same shit it's a it's a simple picking part but it's the same key same everything same everything <laughs>
1: Thank you.
0: I think I remember um, when we had first started doing the podcast. Uh, that was something that I had noticed one day, and I had sent you that. I'm like, "Whoa, this is just fucking simple, man!" Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did think of a bonus, a bonus one that was super random that just popped into my head. And this is basically because of the uh, the chord progression that Sabbath was really fond of, was the 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 tritone or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, on their that last Sabbath album, um, "End of the Beginning," which also it sounds very similar to Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. um, but it's a little bit different. But <laughs> it was something I noticed at Disneyland one time, though, when you're waiting for uh, the haunted mansion, the music that's playing in the background because they went they're using those those same chord progressions because of the sinister tone. It's something I noticed I was like cuz but it's on an organ but you just right yeah <laughs> so it like, totally is So it's the most random thing I noticed one time I'm like that sounds like a, a Sabbath song right
2: because <laughs> because having heard Sabbath all your life and if you hear that interval somewhere in like the it makes you go like huh what is that that sounds like home you know it sounds familiar So, yeah, I totally feel you on that one. All right. Now, getting into the main section of the Sick Riffs episode. uh, I didn't want to go, like, over the same... Basically, the same ones that we've been doing because, obviously, we like riffs by a certain guy. We like more riffs by that certain guy, of course. But, so, there's going to be a little bit of that, but I wanted to go a little bit off of that. So, One of the things that I did was when I was a kid, there was kind of like, for me, it was like pre-metal, like little things that I heard that I thought were like heavy, that I guess if you're a kid and you like these things, you might eventually find your way into liking heavy metal. And that, as corny as it might sound, could start with something like Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) So if you like that, when you're a little kid, it's like you may go into the the metal genre as your thing. A couple of other examples of that, because we've been listening to like classic rock around here lately for some reason, how it has to do with Apple Music and the algorithms, right? But it steers you in certain directions. So other ones that, that we've been hearing that are like that too were like Neil Giraldo, who's uh Pat Benatar's husband obviously and the riff from Heartbreaker that's another one of those that's kind of you know it's not metal obviously but it's on the road that if you like that you might end up liking metal Roger Fisher who I did not know that his that his name was Roger Fisher but he's the original guitarist lead guitarist from Heart and so he plays that riff from Barracuda Which is another heavy riff, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, whoa, this sounds fucking, you know, hard. Shout out to the whole first two albums from Boston. You could take any of those riffs and, you know, um, Tom Schultz, he's a fucking genius. He went to MIT and all that shit. And while Eddie Van Halen was over here creating his sound, which was completely analog and completely overdriven and all that shit, Tom Schultz was in Boston coming up with his sound, which he was a pioneer of, um, of modeling and of, you know, creating a sound in, uh, digitally on top of analog sounds. And the sound of Boston, the sound of Boston's guitar, of Tom Schultz's guitar, really in its own way is every bit as awesome as what was going on over here. So that's my first one, which is called the, the pre-metal section.
0: <laughs> all, all the shit you liked as a kid. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go for as much as we talk about how much we love Kiss and how much we love Ace. Uh, Kiss didn't make the cut mm-hmm. the last episode. So I kind of wanted to rectify that with the, uh, the riff for Strange Ways. Okay. Because that is, that's just a really good, I mean... Part of that is the fact that Kiss has that kind of, like, loud rock and roll sound. Mm-hmm. So, as much as Gene likes to play off like they're metal pioneers, they really weren't. Yeah. But Strange Ways actually has a fair, pretty heavy riff to it. It also has a really good cover by Megadeth. Right. It doesn't really fuck with the song too much. It's just playing the song with, you know... Uh, you know different guitars but it's the riff is there
2: I almost included a Kiss one in mine, and that was going to be Parasite. And because it's one of those, to me, it's an example of like a real simple riff, but you have to play it the right way to make it sound cool. And, you know, they play it the right way, and it sounds cool as fuck. Um, And that would have been on my list of old riffs. So on my old riffs one, I put... uh, Def Leppard, Saturday Night High and Dry. Because to me, that's like, first of all, it's like an acapella guitar riff. It's just out there by itself. No drums, no nothing, just to start the song. And when you do that on a song, that means you think you've got something with this riff. Right? And I thought they did because, you know, the song's about getting drunk and partying. And the fucking riff sounds drunk it sounds like fucking slurry and kind of fucking behind the beat and kind of you know and that was um, Steve Clark's riff and that was a skill that he had and that the rest of the band really say that he had and that was missed was that he just thought of different ways of playing things like you know you could tell him oh the riff goes like this and he'd go you mean like this and he'd shoot it back with like a different twist on it and they'd be like, oh, shit, yeah, like that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a real stylized riff, sick. And my other one for old riffs is uh, still of the night, still of the night, the white snake riff. And it because it's like there's like five riffs in that song, but they're all so put together in such an odd way that if you just listen to the uh, isolated guitar for still of the night, you wouldn't even think it was a song, it doesn't even sound. Like a, like really, like a regular song structure. And there's like times where there's like 20 seconds where there's no guitar whatsoever. It's really weird. And, and uh, I didn't really think about it until I saw this thing called Riff Lords, which um was is on uh, YouTube, of course. And it has different dudes that are, you know, riff lords. And they show you how they play some of the riffs in the band that they're in now or in the band that they used to be in or whatever this one had that riff on it and i was just like wow man that shit's fucking crazy because it's one of those things where it seems so disjointed i don't even know how they remember what comes next but it's a it's a trippy one that one so uh yeah still of the night (laughs)
1: shaking and I can't take no more
0: Oh, that was uh that's one of the uh John Sykes riffs, ain't yeah, it? For sure. Yeah. Super underrated, dude.
2: So yeah, that was a um a John Sykes riff, but I actually saw it on the Riff Lords Doug Aldridge episode, but he was in Whitesnake, so he was, you know, showing different riffs from the bands he he, he was in. So he showed some Dio riffs, some White Snake riffs, and I guess some Dead Daisies riffs which he's now in with um, Glenn Hughes. Glenn Hughes took over for John Karabi and now is in Dead Daisies. And those albums, man, they're good, man. But I don't know why I just can't get into them that easily. They're really good, though. They, so if you get a chance to check them out, you you might like them. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I've got one more here of my old ones. Uh, and this is an IOMI because I have to have an IOMI. So, um, TV Crime from Dehumanizer. And the reason that I'm doing that is because it's single chords. It's like, it's just dun, 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 dun. But it's the intervals and the way that he plays them. <laughs> way that iomi does it you know he's able to play most of the bar chords with his um first finger and his pinky so those are the the, his intact fingers and it shows that he has so much control over those motherfuckers because when um when he moves bar chords around it's like a vice is clamped down and he's just like "Mm, mm, mm." whereas most people you play those chords and you try to move them around fast like that. You're going to hit a bum note here and there. Or the chord's going to sound a little unbalanced. One note sounding louder than the other. Or something's going to go wrong in the course of it. But when it's Iommi or fucking Rudy Shanker or fucking uh, Malcolm Young or any uh Scott Ian, uh, Hetfield, Dave Mustaine, any great rhythm player... You don't hear any drop off whatsoever as the chords change. They hit them perfect, and that's what he does in this song. It's insane.
0: Yeah, that's TV Crimes is it might be my favorite song off of that album. So that's a pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty good deep dive on that. That there. So uh, let's see what do I got next up. Uh, this is one I've mentioned before in the past. Um, But I wanted to talk a little about the Queen Stone Cold Crazy. How, you know, Brian May, he's got such a diverse style. This is Brian May practically inventing speed metal. Like, (laughs) it's definitely the most metal y Queen song. Mm -hmm. And that's another one that you get a cover later on. Like, there's uh, the Metallica cover of it that honestly, they don't change up a whole lot of it. Right. (laughs) Right they're not even playing it particularly faster that's how fast that riff is you know so I'm a lover. Wanted to get a little more love for Queen there because they don't come up very often on our podcast, and they're one of my favorite bands of all time. But
2: you know, um, Brian May, like when I was a kid, you know, seventeen, fucking trying to fucking be ingve, I would have I would have never put Brian May on one of my lists of of great guitarists or whatever. I had to grow up and 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 learn shit to find out. That he's definitely one of the most diverse rock players ever has been because he can do that kind of shit. You know, he can do movie soundtrack shit, you know, um, Bohemian Rhapsody type shit. He can do it. He can do all that shit and do it all well. While I've never really heard him shred like crazy, I wouldn't be surprised. If 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 I saw a video today of of him uh, lighting up some fucking some sweet picking and shit, it, it wouldn't shock me at all.
0: Yeah, that's just one of those things. Or that's not his. It's not really his lane. Mm. It's like I don't get the. I never get the vibe. He can't
2: do no, it. Not at all.
0: You know, just that he doesn't. Right. Like he just is like that. Doesn't really fit what what the Queen sound is. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, yeah, I think he. Uh, yeah, he he's one of my favorite guitarists just because of the diversity, like you're saying how. Like there are a few guys out there that can play so many styles mm-hmm. the way he does. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like I'm saying like oh that might not fit the Queen style, but Queen has so many different styles to their music, but they all they're all Queen. Right. You hear something and it never sound like there's never obviously because there's such a huge band, but there's never like a Despite them, all these different sounds they had over the years, you never are like, who the fuck is that? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so for my next one, I wanted to try to put some new riffs on it because, you know, obviously we're a classic metal show and and that's what we normally do, but there is new shit coming out. I think this next year, there'll probably be a lot of new shit coming out because who's not in the fucking studio right now? But one album that came out, and we actually forgot to mention it on our year wrap-up or whatever, was the new ACDC album, Power Up. Yeah. And on that, there's a lot of good riffs on it, but the one that um, stood out to me for two reasons, one, because I liked it, and two, because it kind of sounds like the riff from Slide It In, is Money Shot. Also a cool title, of course, and in, in keeping with ACDC uh, tradition. But it's a cool-ass riff. But it's got that same kind of kind of feel, like uh, like a call-and-response feel, like "Slide It In" does. So that's one of them. And I also noticed an interesting thing: all the way throughout the whole Bon Scott years, Bon Scott wrote all the lyrics. And then obviously Bon died, and Brian Johnson joined and Brian Johnson got credit for all the lyrics up until blow up your video and after that it's been all songs by Angus and Malcolm Young which i don't know if that means they started writing lyrics i doubt that i kind of mean i kind of think it means they started ripping off Brian <laughs> you know yeah. and that's just seems to be the way of the fucking music industry these days but I, that's kind of whack and the way that they kind of let him go before the last tour was seemed kind of whack. I don't know. I think fucking Brian Johnson is kind of in an abusive relationship at this point or something. But, you know, he wants to be in it. So, there you go. And the other interesting thing is, on this album, it's also still all songs by Angus and Malcolm. Because according to Angus, he's got a big box of tapes of riffs that him and Malcolm made up so from here to the end of acdc it's gonna be songs by angus and malcolm
0: yeah i mean when they first let brian johnson go they did it pretty cold-blooded too like they basically treated brian like he was always just a hired gun which really hurt his feelings
2: yeah and it's weird
0: because he, he was like I I was in the band, like, I was a huge part of ACDC for a lot of people, like, there's a lot of people that, Brian Johnson's their favorite singer in ACDC, for sure, you know, I mean, you only got two to pick from, right, but, (laughs) right, we're not counting Axel standing in, And, and
2: one of them was on Back in Black, so, yeah, you know, yeah, kind of fucking, uh, kind of legendary record, you know. Uh Yeah, I don't know. it's I, This business is a fucking crazy business. But, yeah.
0: Back in Black was the... Until Thriller came out, Back in Black was the highest selling record of all time. Right, right. That's still weird when you realize that. It's like you really... I mean, ACDC is legendary. But, man, it's like you really... People now... Like even i didn't really quite grasp it because you know it was before my time and mm-hmm. just just how huge acdc was oh yeah in their prime oh like, yeah like they were the biggest thing in the world for a couple years there yeah i mean it's cool that they put out a new record though it's i thought acdc was done you
2: know you know and it's a good record man if you like acdc You'll like this record, because it's a fucking straight-up ACDC record, just like all of them. Yeah, man, I mean, you know, I've only listened to it a few times, but I dig it. And I'm sure if I gave it more spins, those songs would get stuck in my head, because they always do. ACDC, man. Um, For my other two, for new ones, uh, these are far less known bands. Uh, Sons of Apollo has a song called uh, Fall to Ascend. And it's Bumblefoot, who's a sick-ass guitar player. And the riff is uh, a sick-ass riff, and furthermore, it can't be imitated because he does it on fretless guitar. And unless you play fretless, you're not going to be able to do this riff. And I know zero dudes who play fretless. So, <laughs> you know, and it's it really is a, a interesting sound. And I think... Uh, More and more, if you want your shit to not sound like everything that's come before it, people are going to have to start incorporating different techniques. You know, maybe slides, maybe a fretless guitar, different shit to make yourself sound different. And this one definitely sounds different. Bumblefoot's a sick motherfucker.
0: Have have surgery on your wrist and play a whole sick ass song with one hand. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Play with your feet and then die a couple weeks ago. Right, rest in peace, Big Toe. Did you know? I you
2: know I never knew about that guy, which is really weird because I'm kind of all over concerts all over around here, but I never heard of that dude. But I saw a couple of videos of him play, you know, after he died, and man, he did some. Pretty crazy shit with them toes. Yeah, <laughs> there. Uh, he was on. Um,
0: oh god, he was on a, he was on a TV show, uh, the Next Great American Band, okay. in two thousand seven. He was on that, and that's when a lot of people heard about him for the first time. And then it's like, oh, that motherfucker is from San Diego, and there's been a lot of people. It's like, oh yeah, I've seen big, I've seen Big Toe playing just playing acoustic down at like Balboa park and Mm. just hanging out, getting money that way, you know? But it's like, Oh shit. I've seen other dudes missing arms, play guitar down there too. I never saw him doing it. Right. I saw one guy where, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time told me I was an asshole because I said, he's not very good at guitar. (laughs) 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 And she's like, He's playing with his fucking feet, dude. I'm like, look, if anybody's allowed to clown on the guy playing guitar that's missing limbs, it's me. Yeah. Every time we walk by, that guy has just been playing Californication. Right. That guy knows one song. Right. That he learned how to play with his feet. That shit ain't heroic. He needs to step his game up. <laughs> yep.
2: Or or practice <laughs> but, uh, more before you come out. Before you bring it to the boardwalk. Have, oh, okay. geez. Yeah. No, I
0: have a I have a higher bar set for my
2: playing guitarists. <laughs> so anyway. I wouldn't say shit. <laughs> i just be like, damn, that's awesome. And then, yeah, that's it. Be, you know what? That's the thing. You get to make fun of
0: fucking Wolfgang Van Halen. I get to make fun of the guys that don't have arms playing guitar. Uh, there you go.
2: <laughs> there you go. So anyway,
0: let's get into a riff here. So uh, this is another kind of a classic one that I'm surprised didn't come up. But Thin Lizzy Emerald. Oh, yeah. And that's, uh, uh, and you know, the whole song is badass, but specifically, you know, towards the end, you know, it's, it's such a fucking heavy riff from from Thin Lizzy there. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Down from the glen came the marching men with their shields and their swords to fight the fight. They believed to be right Overthrow the overlords To the towns where there was plenty They brought plunder, swords and flame When they left the town was empty And children would never play again the border. There were many born today Then onward over the mountain Outward towards the sea
0: it kind of goes to show why so many uh metal players love thin lizzy
2: right for sure so so many great guitar players in thin lizzy gary moore brian robertson um but scott gorham but uh you know uh it's funny because i really don't understand like why those guys didn't go on to be bigger and even the dudes that were in the band didn't go out and become bigger. It's it's really weird that it seems like Thin Lizzy's like one of the biggest cult bands ever, you know, because the people that love them fucking love them. But outside of that, some people just they know the boys are back in town and that's it, you know and that's the thing man that's i don't fucking get it
0: because they got the hits like the boys are back in town Mm. and jailbreak Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: shit like that on top of you know their heavier songs and it's like they just seem like a band that should have you know checked all the boxes Mm -hmm. to me we talked about this you know when we're they were nominated for the rock and roll hall of fame Mm -hmm. you know it's I don't understand why they didn't get bigger because, you know, it's cool they had their hit, mm-hmm. but it sucks that in America, they're kind of treated like a one-hit wonder. Yeah. And yeah, they're just such a badass, influential band for a lot of people, and it's like, I don't get why they didn't become more famous because it's like, oh, they had really catchy songs, mm-hmm. fun lyrics, cool guitar, mm-hmm. you know, they had the... They're one of the originators of that fucking guitar harmonies and dueling guitar kind of feel. And yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's so weird that they never became bigger. But yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people. They're not my favorite band of all time, mm-hmm. but I I fucking love Thin Lizzy. Right, and I just I don't get why more people don't.
2: Right. Well, to me, Gary Moore is one of the greatest guitar players of all time, and I really honestly think that he would have been bigger if he was like better looking like cooler looking or something i think something that was must have been like where because he was right on the brink i mean you know he didn't want to join ozzy's band because he he was about to do his solo thing and it was going to be huge and it's and he had all the musicians he had all the songs he had all but something just didn't click with the people and I don't know I I kind of think it's you know in the age of video he just didn't look right for for what you know he was trying to do and eventually it costs it costs them like I was thinking the same thing earlier as I was looking at at my other riff oh shit because I had another riff I was listening to David Lee Roth because I was going to talk about the shy boy riff Because I love that riff, and and basically, that whole album is kind of like, you know, where they just told Steve Vai, okay, you know, be Eddie, right? (laughs) And he's like, all right, bet, you know? I was thinking about that riff, and I was thinking, you know, I think that Dave, David Lee Roth's solo career kind of started going downhill at the same time that his hairline started moving back, (laughs) you know? And kind of when he stops looking cool like cool ass Dave, maybe people you know I don't know. Like I say, I think there is a visual aspect to the music business started in the '80s, and fucking a, a lot of them ugly ass bands from the '70s went the way of the dodo when fucking video came out.
0: Yeah, they did. That's man, when they had those, whew, all them dude, all them white dudes with like weird white guy afros and shit that <laughs> 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 that uh yeah yeah no mtv you know they they weren't fucking kid that that video killed the radio saw the star song wasn't fucking playing around like it did like no shit if you're if you're a big am radio hit in the 70s man your career fucking died <laughs> in the video era yeah
1: for yeah, sure. It's
0: just a shame. And you know that I could see that with David Lee Roth, especially when you got, you know, bands like Poison and Motley Crue that are kind of doing mm-hmm. what you did, but they're younger. I mean, I don't know, man. At least t- to Dave's credit, uh, <laughs> he aged way better than Vince
2: Neal. Oh, yeah, for sure. Vince Neil is just gross looking now. He's just a big. Oh, yeah. No, Dave is always in tip top shape. Dave's always, you know, doing his uh karate and his sword f- play or whatever the fuck you want to call that shit. Yeah, well, fucking um, Vince
0: Neil needs to take up karate or he needs yeah. to do something.
2: <laughs> you know what? You can't just you can't just live in Vegas with all the booze and buffets and shit and expect to fucking uh come out, you know, looking good. So, there you go. You, it, it affects everything
0: though. Vince Neal's whole thing was like he was a David Lee Roth type character where maybe he didn't have the best voice. But he was a good looking dude and a showman. And when you're just a fat guy, the presentation suffers. And we've all seen the video of Vince Neal doing Kickstart My Heart. And with like, I don't know if his forgot all the lyrics at once. Or he was trying to remember them. Or I don't know what happened.
2: He's just making sounds. Man. his teleprompter went down
0: yeah, man. but it's like it's unintelligible yeah you know just <laughs>
1: it's
0: like fucking i don't know man a james brown impersonation turned into rock and roll or something
2: yeah like eddie murphy doing james brown <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah we got way off topic there but i mean maybe that'll give you an excuse to put some of that legendarily bad Vince Neil performance in the episode
2: there you go (laughs) You know, they were supposed to do a tour right before COVID hit. There was the all oh, there was a reunion, it was gonna be them and it was gonna be like the hair metal uh headliners tour. Yeah, it was thing. gonna
0: be them, uh Poison, uh who else was gonna be on that? Was it Def Leppard? I think Def Leppard was on that shit too. Def Leppard had to been the headline.
2: Uh yeah. And Joan sure. Jett
0: was gonna be on it. Right. I kinda wanted to see that, but
2: yeah, well, everybody was, you know, the the internet chatter was, well, what's uh, what's Vince gonna look like? Is it gonna be fucking fat Vince or, uh, you know, and he took it personal, and he was, and they were saying, oh yeah, he's he's working out, he's gonna be, you know, ready to go, or whatever. But we never we never saw what happened. He, he probably was happy. He didn't have to go through all that yeah. shit.
0: Well, we'll see what happens when COVID ends if he doesn't die
2: of COVID because the obese are at risk. Uh <laughs> No shit, tell me about it <laughs> And you know what My last riff that I have Is another new one Came out last year And it's from the Body Count album It's called Point the Finger And it's Ernie C And you know, Ernie C is one of my One of my riff guys, man He, he fucking consistently Put out heavy riffs And this one's, you know, one of those Fucking muted E string Tuned down Heavy riff and uh, kind of, you know, uh, reminiscent of the Iommi days. Because it's funny, with as many people as count um, Iommi as an influence, which is practically everyone, very few people write Iommi style riffs. So that's kind of odd. And Ernie C is one of the dudes that does. And I so I like his riffs and I like this one from the new yeah. record Point the Finger
1: Poor little Johnny didn't lift c C-16 John made his collapse Buried the body of his brother the next week Come shot him twice in the back Walked walk, or down the door no questions asked Police, motherfucker! Lies being both on their feet They open fire before you can speak Wrong place, wrong time Stay after streets is what they mama said Dead male, no crime Schoolboys, they never broke a law Ready ready anytime They shoot first and ask questions last Should be yours and then they point the finger at you. And then they
0: point the finger at you. Ernie C does it. Um, on some songs, Jeff Henneman kind of pulled that off.
1: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, whatever the name of the guitarist is from Candlemass.
2: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, for sure. All right,
0: I got a couple riffs left here. I'm going to... I'm going to save a couple of these for when we just do that Iomi centric mm-hmm. episode that we've kicked around. That might be the next one. Fuck it. We might be on our riff of Palooza and then just have our next episode be the riffs of Tony Iomi. Yeah, just that, focus on That sounds the most cool. badass shit.
2: That's how there might even be a couple of riffs on on these uh um reissues that who knows. We'll see. I'm going to I'm going to fucking dive into those motherfuckers and see what I get out of. them. Oh, hell yeah. So, a couple more here. Um, Another band that we don't really talk too
0: much about, other than where we're kind of laughing at King Diamond a bit. But the riff for Merciful Fates Into the Coven is fucking sick.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) It's got such a fucking cool tone, and I don't know, that's... another one when uh, metallica did a a medley of merciful fate songs
1: Mm -hmm.
0: on garage inc that was one of my favorite riffs on it and then that was one of those deals where we we all wanted to know what merciful fate really sounded like Mm. and then we we found out we're like what yeah (laughs) yeah because we did not expect that you know because you're expecting a band that sounded a little more kind of similar to metallica Mm-hmm. And, you know, riff-wise, they're not that far off from some of the other thrash bands of the era. Right. But we yeah. were not prepared for King Diamond at all the first time we, any of us heard him. Because we had heard James Hetfield singing those songs. Right. So what do you have? Hetfield, you know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, And
0: then you hear the song later. and it's, Yeah. 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 <laughs> but way higher. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, what totally. the hell? Yeah. The fans got to hear my King Diamond impersonation. Too. Yeah. it's awesome.
2: I, I wasn't into merciful fate at the time. I was in high school. When merciful fate was around, you know, Melissa and all the big albums. And I had this friend of mine, Mike Feminelli. He was a monster guitar player. He was like the first guitar player that made me feel like I couldn't play. And I was just like, fuck. And he loved merciful fate. And I was just like, man, I dig it. And I also dig dudes who can sing high, like, you know, like Jeff Tate and dudes like that, Halford. But I like it just sprinkled in, man. You know, that that shit with the... with It just gets to be a little bit too much. And it was a couple of weeks ago, there's a rad video of King Diamond. It's called Songs from the Dead Live. It's a theater show... The whole full production, he's got a chick that sings background with him so that he has power in those notes still, and it's awesome, man, for like three or four songs, and then (laughs) it just fucking, it gets to uh, be fatiguing. Like just being up in that range so constantly. It's like almost like um, that dude on uh, Amadeus where it's like, you know, too many notes, you know, but it's not too many <laughs> notes. It's just too high of notes. <laughs> that's like a, it's like Major League too high. Yeah, it's too high, <laughs> too high, too much high. That's yeah,
0: that's one of my favorite st- Stupid throwaway lines from that movie, though, when a
2: <laughs> dude oh, just yeah.
0: rush a home run off of him. he's like too high.
2: Yeah, it's too high. It's too high. <laughs> like what do you mean too high? Yeah, no,
0: it's too high, and then it just exits the stadium. But, uh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> merciful fate, man. Yeah, that's. I think I remember you tell you talked about that guy before on the podcast. So that's the one where he's like, like, you heard merciful before, and you're like, what? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, merciful fate, but I call him merciful. It's yeah. like, okay, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: she's like, dudes that don't know shit call
0: him fate all right yeah right it's like really do they uh, i don't think dudes call them merciful either they, they yeah. call them by the band's name <laughs> but then again you have some of those dudes back in the day oh man you like talica
2: <laughs> oh jeez, yeah
0: yeah that didn't catch on as much as they wanted it to i think but there were people i, I knew so. people like that that referred to metallica as just talica and i told them to shut the fuck up <laughs> but nope. uh, no. so my last couple of uh riffs here uh it was tough for me to pick between one, so I picked two. But there are two, two Marth songs here. Okay. I'm going with the song that got me into Marth The first song of theirs I ever heard was um, Twilight of the Thunder God. And that was like i heard that riff and everything and then the whole package was like dude this is badass i love this band mm-hmm. and i just been kind of rider's eye with them on a marth ever since like it's like i was saying before they like just every album that came out since the, i first got introduced to them they just slowly crept their way into my top five favorite bands of all time until one day i had to sit and think about it and i'm like they're one of my favorites. Like, I love everything they do. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's that. That's the song that got me into them. And then uh, off their latest album, this is kind of their most fun riff. Kind of almost like a playful riff from a Marth, which you don't usually get. Mm. They're usually straight up heavy or there'll be some melodic elements to it. But um, the song uh, Mjolnir, Hammer of Thor, has a very Judas Priest feel to the to the riff it's just like a fun it's you know it's that's the only way i can describe it it's just a really fun riff from that right. and the whole song is badass and fun but you know you're used to a certain vibe from a Marth and then when this comes on and like doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, you're like oh this is fun <laughs> right that's cool so that's all i got for my list for today
2: As far as um, Amana Marth goes, I definitely next time they come around, I want to go see them because I I've seen their live shows on you know at Vakin or at Hellfest or at whatever, and they kill it, man. And and the crowds are so into them. Um, I don't know why they haven't made like a bigger impact over here. I'm sh- I, I'm sure they're much bigger in Europe because that's what it looks like but um yeah man if they come around definitely we got to go to that
0: oh for sure and you know the cool thing is here's the deal um as cool as those uh videos of them at vakin and you know all those those types of thing i think the fact that they're not as big in the states works to our advantage because instead of having to go to like the fucking stadium or petco or sleep train cricket wireless fucking yeah. <laughs> whatever it is amphitheater um it's gonna be more like house of blues or right. brick by brick right or so, just like a a badass small venue or like maybe even ramona main stage yeah. or something
2: oh, i love those. where you
0: can just be like where you could just be right there and then just get fucking deafened by the experience and come home and just
2: what Nah, yeah, totally <laughs> so, totally
0: for a week straight that's the
2: same way where i feel when i get to see like michael shanker or uli roth or and they're like right there it's like fucking a dude people people stand like a mile away to watch these motherfuckers in festivals and shit and i'm like right there it's fucking great
0: oh yeah i mean it's like when we went and saw ace you know exactly Kit, you know in the same year we saw kiss at the you know the arena at SDSU, and then we saw Ace at, you know, Ramona main Stage, and honestly, the Ace show was better. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 I had way more of, fun at that one.
0: From a pure music perspective, it was a cool... It was just a cooler rock show.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Kiss, of course, has all the spectacle. Right. But, you know... Yeah. Ace is... Ace had all the cool. Yeah. There and, you uh, go. There you go. And there's none of... And he didn't start fucking a war with them. Because he covered that damn... He he has a version of that Hide Your Heart song also. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Which I don't... Okay, I don't know if we talked to that much about that before. But the same... Because it's a song that Paul wrote for someone else initially. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to put that on, what is it? Hot in the Shade or mm-hmm. something like that. But Ace's... One of Ace's solo albums came out that same year. And Ace liked the song, so he put a, he recorded a version, a cover version of it. And apparently, there was this whole issue where Paul was like, "Dude, we're putting this on a Kiss record. Please don't!" And he's like, "Man, fuck you!" Yeah. Like. So now there's two warring versions of the do 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 song.
2: Yeah, yeah man. Which <laughs> <that's laughs> hilarious. Um,
0: the fact that Kiss keeps fucking trying to get people to really get sold on that song yeah. during their last couple of tours, you know, it's like at least Ace didn't throw that fucker into his set no just shit. to stick it to the band a little bit more. <laughs> like, at least he let that one go because that shit would have been hilarious. It would have been funny from a trolling perspective. Totally. But I know you do not like that song at all. Nope. And I just thought you should know that there's, there was a big <laughs> war
2: Oh man!
0: From the the Kiss camp involving that stupid song in like 1989.
2: That's like uh <laughs> that's like one of them Jerry Springer in, uh, episodes where two cousins are fighting over some fat chick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then
0: they're neither one of them are the father. Yeah, neither was the father. <laughs> God damn it! All right, that is. Uh, I miss those "You're Not the Father" episodes of Maury Povich, man. That was my guilty pleasure shit. I had a whole bit about that back in the day.
2: So about funny about
0: how uh, yeah, just as a you know, just as a mean person, seeing all these all these gross people crying was hilarious to me.
2: <laughs> the jacked up part is when they tell the chick, "Okay, we've already tested like ten guys, but we'll bring you back next time." and Test some more. Yeah. <laughs> when they tested that many, I'm like, damn, bitch, you had a busy week. Uh, <laughs> damn it.
0: <laughs> busy couple of days, really, if you start doing the math on that. Right.
2: Shit. Alright. So I guess that brings us to the end of the riffs. And uh so <laughs> basically brings us to the end of the episode.
0: Naturally we end on Maury Povich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: But it is good that, you know, we we, uh, we are discussing that IOMI episode. That's one we want to do. I want to do some more, a couple of different albums. That would be awesome. And we'll get back to you soon. So until the next one, this is me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out. <laughs>